in my bedroom, there's a, I have a large oval picture of my great-great-grandparents from Poland. And uh, after my great-grandmother died, we made copies of this, one of these round kind of um, old-fashioned things. And uh, it's, it's, I was thinking about this because of this first lines of the gospel. They, my great-grandmother, as some of you uh, have relatives that also had this experience, they came over in, in the great wave of Eastern Europeans to this country looking for a better life. They, my great-grandmother was so poor, there was no prospects for her in Poland. At the age of 19, they gave her what money that they had, which was not much. They gave her everything. She got on the boat. She was an only child. She never saw her parents again. Never. Just letters. Never had the money to go back. It's 19, 1914. You know, long boat ride. Met my great-grandfather. Similar circumstances in Chicago. Great Polish and Slavic community there. I find that amazing. And, of course, here we all are, our family, because of that a sacrifice for a better life. And when Jesus says you've got to hate your father and mother, you know, they made that sacrifice, and the parents willingly did this. They encouraged her to go. They wanted her to have a new life in this country. It was, it was the right thing to do at that age, in that time. How many of us would do that for our children if we knew it was for the best? And yet, when Christ tells us, you can't prefer anything to me, it's hard for us to grasp that. But there are things we'll sacrifice everything for. Is Christ one of them? That's, that's the question. The gospel is, is tough to hear. And Jesus is, he uses a lot of imagery here about this. You know, he talks about building a tower. And uh, he might as well say to us, if he was here at St. Nancy, he'd say, which of you wishing to construct a church would not first sit down and calculate the cost? Otherwise, you'll end up with a bunch of arches. And they'll say, look at them. Started, started and couldn't finish. Kaiser would have a new McDonald's. <laughs> but, you know, a business, a church is, is, is both a, a, not a business, but we are, we have to be good stewards. We, we have to balance the books and things. So in that sense, we do have to calculate. And yet, any construction here that's spiritual requires more than mere calculation. There's, a, there's something beyond the calculating in, in a successful church. And in, in what God is doing within us as disciples, we can't calculate adequately because we're dealing in the realm of the spirit. It's one thing to build a church, and even that requires a lot of spirituality. We didn't know when we began the process if we would be able to complete it. It's always a work of faith. Anything we do here is a work of faith. The dinners we're going to do, uh, everything requires more than the sum of its parts when we're following Christ. And the Lord deliberately puts us in situations that require faith in which we are outnumbered. We don't have enough bricks to build. We are confronted with an army. Have you ever had this experience? You're confronted with an army advancing against you of 20,000 troops, and I have 10, and I'm suing for peace terms. Like, oh God, it's, eight, it's 7 o'clock in the morning and it's Sunday morning. I'm suing for peace terms. The Lord says, get up. 
You know what I'm saying? I never feel adequate till noon. But God supplies the rest. I trust him. Um, it, we have financial things, family things, job things. We don't know what to do. Sometimes it's very, it's very dire. But this is when God gets going. He, um, you get the impression that God deliberately allows us, it's our own fault sometimes, or maneuvers us to a place where we can't do it on our own. And that's when the spirit gets going. The, uh, there was a really interesting insight from the Bible study um, that I love, I love doing that. I'll probably do it another four weeks or so. And, and uh, it, it, uh, there's so much wisdom amongst all of us. And I, there was an insight I had not thought of. It was so obvious after it was said. It's that when you look at the battles in the Old Testament, there is not one of them that the Israelites were not outnumbered and outgunned. And very often, the leader that God chose was the worst possible candidate for the job. Think of Gideon. The man had never led an army in his life, and he asked for at least three fleeces before God, before he would say yes. The man was terrified. God chose Gideon and made them all, made everybody but about 200 troops leave. You know, he said, I want you to be outnumbered. I want you to be outgunned. I want to supply the rest. Because we're dealing with, even within us, you know, we try to, try, to make, try to make a resolution. Gosh, Saturday was supposed to be a day of fasting, for any of you who heard about it. Uh, the Vatican, the Vatican uh, announced this for fasting for, for the world situation in Syria. Uh, and many responded, but this occurred between the Sunday Masses, so it's hard to get the word out to everyone. But, but anybody who saw our website saw that. I tried to fast on Saturday. I kind of blew it, you know. And... Uh, my New Year's resolution, you know what it is every year? Not to complain. <laughs> and to be a model of patience. <laughs> and I said, hurry up, God, because I've got things to do. Get to you know, I can't do, we can't even make, even purely human things are often overwhelming to us. But when we're dealing in the spiritual world, we can't see the angels. We can't see the demons. They're very real. They don't have all power over us, but God allows them to test us. And without the spirit, without listening to God, without being obedient, without, without cultivating a relationship with God, we're outgunned, outnumbered, and we may not even know we have an enemy. If they're leaving you alone, watch out, because life is a battleground. The only way, if we're following Christ, we're going to be in the battle. You jump in to do something here like the Thanksgiving dinners or even to help at the fair booth. I mean, the, um, not the fair booth, the, the Oktoberfest booth. And some opposition may come up. I decide to pray and suddenly I, something was on TV and I'm being tempted. This, this, is, this is the battle zone that we're in. It's not just Syria. You know, that's kind of a metaphor for the whole world. And perhaps my response to Syria, if I'm not praying, I may be on the hook on the last day. Maybe this is the big issue. The Pope has asked us to pray. He didn't say which way to vote. He said pray. Pray for peace. Nobody wants war, do we? You know, so what can I do? I'm sitting here all week thinking about Syria. What can I do? I, uh, I had my own battles this week, the battle of the trees. I've been battling with these darn trees since we started this process. seems like there's no project anywhere I've ever seen where uh, there's anything left alive standing after they're done building. It seems like you know they lay out the plans and the trees are always in the way. So I said... Two years ago, we're drawing up the plans and praying, and I said, 
let's please put this building so we can save the oak tree, which is gone, and, and this and that. But, you know, it was hard to do that. Um, the trees that went down, some of you will know what this is and some won't. It's for a bioswale, and the county or somebody is requiring that of Avamir. That's to catch water off of the parking lot. My point was, I said, wouldn't eight mature trees catch more water than a ditch? You know. However, if I had made a big deal out of it, I might have gotten my way, but it would delay things by a year, and we'd be on the hook for a quarter million dollar road. So I said, okay, Lord, I can, I, I'm going to roll over and play dead. However, um, I did, we did talk about a couple of trees next to the rectory, which will show from the garden window, a beautiful wisteria and another tree. And uh, uh, they agreed to save them, yet there's a red X on it, right? So we, we did our due diligence to save these two trees. We're going to root one thing differently that was going to take those out too. So I'm in there praying on Thursday or Friday, Friday at 7 a.m. Yes, I do get up early and pray grouchily for two hours. <laughs> that, that God will have mercy on my grouchy soul. And I'm sitting in there in my pajamas. I didn't comb my hair or anything. And uh, I hear outside my window, what did I hear? So I, I had the Blessed Sacrament exposed. You know, I got a chapel there. I said, excuse me a minute, Lord. I went out. There they are, laying into those lower branches of that wisteria. I went out there, and I'm not a tree hugger. I, I, I was in Tillamook for four and a half years, and I appreciate forestry. Uh, but I, you know, I mean, uh, but I, I went out there and I said, stop. <laughs> when I get mad, some of you have seen me, my eyes bug out. I took my glasses off and I gave them the dirtiest look you ever saw in your life. And they said, they said get out of our way, we've got a job to do. And I said, I'm the boss. Start at that end. I, call, I made some phone calls, and 10 minutes later, it was straightened out. Of course, they hadn't got the message. That's all it was. And, uh, but you see, the thing is, is that you know what the Lord says, not by my power, not by my strength, but by his spirit. All of our plans came to nothing. It required grace. I had to be at the right place. The right time I had to be up. I had to be willing to act right at that moment. I had to have the courage to go out there looking like, I won't even tell you what it looked like. <laughs> I'm glad there was no, maybe they took a Facebook, look, look on Facebook, somebody probably took a picture. But um, God provided, you see, but it had to be a, it was a victory of the spirit. As I look at what is probably going to look like Kansas around here for many years when we're done, but they are going to plant hundreds, not hundreds, maybe 60, 70 trees and things here. It'll be very beautiful, but those few mature ones will survive. And to me, it's a sign that God can do anything, including saving the world from a nuclear war in Syria. But we have to pray. Uh, we can't do it on our own. I don't think anybody in the world can do it on our own. The, the Pope wrote to Putin or Putin, or I've got to find out how to pronounce this man's name. Uh, he wrote to Red China, I think. And I've got I to put this in the bulletin that Red Chinese sent a note to the Pope and said, we appreciate your leadership. We want to talk more about normalizing relationships with the Catholic Church. Can you believe that? I, did you read that? I, 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 I have to check this out with Snopes and make sure it's correct. I, I almost fell over. I said, we can't do this, but God can. Do you look at that wisteria there when everything's gone next week, that we have another road to take out? And it's necessary to do this. Something has to die so something can grow. But 
God's power can do anything. And uh, when we think it's impossible, that's right when God gets going. I, I can't tell you many impossible situations I've been in, in in my life, one of which is just standing here today, getting through the seminary system, which in itself would be a book. Uh, I was inadequate, you know, but that's what God wants. Um, he wants us, if you've ever volunteered for something here, you probably felt inadequate. This is exactly the qualification for the job. If you're talking about world government, we want qualifications. For God, he picks the unqualified because he wants to make it clear that he's doing it, not us. We made all the plans in the world to save those two trees, but it was God that saved the day at the end. So that's... So our Lord tells us finally, he says, you must give up all your possessions to follow me. What he means is, I have to put at God's disposal everything I am that he might use it and multiply it. If I keep it for myself, it's going to die. If I give it to God, he will use it, multiply it, and do miracles through us that we never thought were possible. Yes, we have to suffer. Yes, we have to go to the cross and die. But also, there's a resurrection coming. And the great gift of the battlefront that we are in. We are in a war zone. We are not home. Um, God reminds us of that periodically, but also that we have unseen graces that will fill in the blanks because every spiritual battle we have, almost everyone, we are outnumbered two to one. <laughs>